Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is an absolute evolutionary trip to be here today. We have with us Dr. Bruce Lipton. Father, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, <laughs> Amrit. I, I am so honored to be here with you because we have a message to share <laughs> that is so relevant in today's world that looks like it's it's crazy. But with the information that we can share, it's not crazy. It's one of the most important times in human civilization is right now because we're facing what is called a mass extinction. And everybody goes, mass extinction? What the hell is that? I go, well, five times in the history of planet, life was thriving. Yeah. And some event wiped out up to 90% of life. And, uh, and then life started all over again. So it's not like one continuous evolution. As a start, it builds up, crashes, builds up again, crashes five times. The, the last time was 66 million years ago. The dinosaurs were here. We had lush tropical forests all over the place. A comet, big comet hit near New Mexico, or not New Mexico, Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. And it was so big, it upended the web of life. And all of a sudden when the web of life falls apart, then the whole system, it just starts falling apart. And, and what happened was 
all the dinosaurs disappeared. The forest, the big rich forest all disappeared. Uh, and 75% of life got wiped out. That was number five in the history of this planet of extinctions crashing and then starting again. Today, we're in number six. What? We're, we're, we're crashing. We're in an evolutionary spiral downhill at this point. Uh, and I go, well, the previous things were like a comet hitting the earth or tectonic plates moving and volcanic activity. I say, where's the extinction coming from today? And I go, human behavior. Humans have misunderstood the nature of a garden. A garden is a place of harmony. There's no battle there. We don't have a battle in the garden because if a battle happens, it's not going to be a garden anymore at that point. Mm -hmm. And yet we came from a garden. We created a battle with nature because somewhere along the line, we got the belief system that we, uh, we are here to dominate and control nature. I go, we are nature. We can't control nature. We are nature. Uh, and we're dependent on the whole web of life. It's like, Oh, you know, the uh, insects are disappearing at a, a rate that is unbelievable. Like right. 75% of the in insect rate is down there because, oh, what the hell? I don't need the mosquitoes. And I go, but the bees, you might want to have the bees. Why? Mm. Without the bees, we don't have any crops. So all of a sudden it's like, ooh, you're, you're not paying attention. We're, we're losing the control. Um, in 50 years, they took 50 years ago, Wildlife Foundation, World Wildlife Foundation took a survey. How many animals are on planet Earth? Total number. Give me the whole number of all the animals. They make an estimate. They recently, two years ago, about redid the estimate. Two-thirds of the entire animal population has disappeared in 50 years. We only have one-third the number of animals on this planet that we used to have just 50 years ago. And what else? I say... The fit, uh, and we're seeing a whole falling apart of everything. I go, well, here's the choice. The choice is simply this. We are marching into a extinction. Even NASA research uh, came to a conclusion that's profoundly important. And it says industrial civilization, the, the one we're in, yeah. within two decades, it's going to face, now here's the most important word, irreversible collapse, meaning... It's not going to come back. We're not going back to what it was. We can't sustain that. It doesn't work. We have to move into another world, another way of living. We have to change behavior of entire civilization because the behavior of the civilization is what is causing the breakdown of the web of life, the way we're destroying nature and dominating and controlling nature. I thought, we're not doing a great job at that, folks. <laughs> we're facing an extinction. It doesn't seem like we're doing the best job, uh, but I know reading into your into your work and yeah, being following your work for so long that there is an uh, there is an optimism that you carry um, about your own being. So, do you feel like there is we have the resources and the tools to change our behaviour to basically pivot away from the irreversible damage, or is the irreversible damage on its way and there's nothing we can really do about it? We might as well laugh on our way into the face of Billy. Of Billy. No, can you please explain no. a little bit? Yeah. There's an old, old, old phrase, Amrit, that is just a stock phrase of the world because it's true, isn't it? It says, knowledge is power. Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, knowledge is power, blah, 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 blah. And I go, no, no. Let me say it in a way that might be relevant to us now. Mm. I say, a lack of of knowledge is a lack of power. And I say, we have been deprived of knowledge of who we really are. Mm. 
how mm -hmm. powerful we are because all the knowledge we get in growing up is how weak we are, how vulnerable. Oh my God, viruses are coming, parasites are coming, blah, 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 blah. Everything's falling apart. And I go, well, that, that's not true. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it, it is true if you don't recognize your power. And I say, well, what power? And I go, well, one of the first things that disempowered us was the belief that genes control our life. Oh, why does that disempower us? I go, well, simple point. <laughs> it says that as far as you know, you didn't pick the genes you came with. If you don't like your characteristics, you can't change the genes you came with. And then I add this little last one, the creepy one that says, well, the genes turn on and off by themselves without you. Go, then why is this relevant? Well, if the genes are controlling my life and they turn it on, they're turning on and off without me, I am definition a victim of my heredity. Oh, there's heart disease running in my family. Oh, I'm going to get it. Cancer. Oh, I'm going to get the cancer. It's in running in my genes. I go, that's a bunch of BS. Oh, oh, that means belief system. That's a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> why is that relevant? And I say, because the idea that genes turn on and off by themselves is the biggest false story that you bought into, which took away your power because it says genes control you, you don't control your genes. And that's why you look at your fate is what genes did my mom and dad give me because my future is going to be determined. And I go, completely false. Genes cannot turn on and off. And I go, we've been programmed. Gene turned on. Cancer gene turned on. Gave me cancer. I go, no. A gene is a blueprint to make a protein. That's, and I go, okay, let's unpack that. I go, yep. the body that you see in the mirror, look on the screen, see yourself, all that. And I go, that is made out of protein building blocks. Mm -hmm. There are about 100,000 different protein types that come together, assemble them together. And I make a muscle cell out of some proteins, make a brain cell out of some other different proteins. Mm -hmm. So I you know, try to tell the audience, I say, well, Proteins are like Lego kit, Lego parts. You got 100,000 different pieces, different shaped pieces. And I say, how you assemble the Lego can create a muscle cell. How you assemble them can create a brain cell, a skin cell. And I go, so the point about it is this. Proteins are the building blocks, but proteins break down. So you have to replace them. But I go, oh, they're very complex molecules. And I go, where do we get the, the proteins when they break down? I go, we have DNA. I say, what's that? It's a blueprint on how to make a protein. I go, so what? I go, it's a blueprint. Mm -hmm. I go, so? I go, this is the story I always say. So you go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint. And I say, lean over her shoulder and go, hey, tell me, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at me and go, what are you, crazy? It's a blueprint. There's no, there's no on and off. It's a blueprint. And I go, aha, you're finally going to get it. A gene is a blueprint. It does not turn itself on and off. It doesn't know what it does. It doesn't know why it's needed. It has no knowledge other than how to make a protein. And I go, but you gave power to the genes. That's what we did. Oh, the genes control me. And I go, no. It's like the architect's story. There's a blueprint. Blueprint doesn't work by itself but it works with an architect mm -hmm. who can read the blueprint and even modify the blueprint. And I go, oh, well, if the genes are the blueprint, then who's the architect? I go, our consciousness is ultimately translated into chemistry that goes into the blood. And that chemistry is what controls our genes. So I go, oh, 
then the control of genes is not by the genes. I go, no, it's controlled by our consciousness. I go, that's your belief issue. I go, if you believe you're a powerful, healthy, wonderful human, then you're going to send the chemistry to the body that's going to select the blueprints, make you a powerful, wonderful person. But if you believe I'm going to get cancer, I say, oh, do you need a cancer gene? I go, nope, 90% of cancer has no, there's nothing in the family lineage of other people getting cancer. I go, then where the hell did cancer come from? I go, the architect, the consciousness is misreading or changing the reading of the gene. And that's where the cancer came from. There's no gene that causes cancer. I love it because everyone, oh, I got the cancer gene. I go, what gene is that? The one that gives me cancer. I go, there is not one gene that causes cancer. I go, the whole history is cancer genes. I go, no, it can't, there's not one gene that causes cancer. You want to get a cancer? Oh, you need the action of 14 to 20 different genes just to get it off the ground. It's not one gene that made a decision. It's 14 to 20 different genes. I go, oh, that's a collaboration of genes. <laughs> I go, what well, the significance of that is, since consciousness is activating the genes and consciousness is selecting those particular genes, which will then ultimately manifest a cancer. Cancer did not come from the genes. It came from not living in harmony. It came from being uh, angry, uh, scared, stressed. This is the source of it. Everyone wants to blame the genes, so we're going to kill the genes. That's what the, uh, a cancer patient, we're going to kill all those stupid cells that are stupid, cancer cells. We're going to put radiation in there, then we're going to poison the cells. And I go, the cells were, were a symptom, meaning you're not in harmony. The disharmony is the cancer cell. So I said, well, what if we kill all the cancer cells? And I said, who cares? You never fix the disharmony. The disharmony is the cancer is going to come back. <laughs> yeah. And I go, so what was the, the cure for cancer? I say, the cancer cells are just telling you you're not living in harmony. You want to get rid of the cancer. You don't kill the cancer cells. You bring the harmony back up in here. Mm -hmm. And when the harmony is in here, the cancer goes into remission. Okay. So we're left with a story. Genes turn on and off. Cancer genes turn on and off. Give you a cancer where you have no control over it. And they coordinate the cancer. And I go, no, they don't. That is a story. It is incorrect. There is no gene that causes cancer. Uh, and I always, you know, I give the breast cancer gene because so many women are so affected. The, they, they take the story of Angelina Jolie and make like, oh, that's how we deal with it. And I said, what did Angelina Jolie do? And I go, well, her mother died of breast cancer. Her grandmother died of breast cancer. And she said, oh my God, I have the gene for breast cancer, BRCA gene. I will have a double mastectomy. I will remove my breasts as a young, healthy woman. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I will not get breast cancer because I have no more breasts. I go, nice idea. 100% wrong. 100% wrong. Why? Yeah. Well, the breast cancer gene doesn't only affect breasts. It also affects uterus and ovarian structures, uh, you know, the ovary, the uterus, other sexual things. I go, uh, and I go, and, and what's the relevance here? And I go, 50% of the women carry the breast cancer gene. 50% carrying the gene never get cancer. And I said, well, there's the most important conclusion just from that fact. That's a fact. Mm. Possession of the gene doesn't cause cancer. Mm. It's possession of the gene and not living in harmony. Now that causes cancer. Mm. So you say, well, I, I'll get rid of the cells that are defective. I say, no, you, it was not living in harmony that altered the reading out of the gene. And mm. So the point becomes very clear. 
you can kill all the damn cancer cells you want, but they were just reflecting that there was something else wrong. So if you don't fix the other thing and you just killed all the cancer cells, I'm going to say, and shortly another cancer will come in to remind you again, you're still not living in harmony. Mm -hmm. And so the cancer is a symptom saying, I'm not in harmony. Then you say, well, if I get rid of the cancer cells, I'll be better. I go, no, you're still not living in harmony. <laughs> it's going to come back again. So instead of saying that's the problem, I say, if I have a cancer, then I first have to go and say, where am I not in harmony in my life? Am I angry? Do I have fear on me? Do I have stresses on my life? These are the contributing factors for the cancer. Matter of fact, science. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Less than one, listen, less than 1% of disease is connected to genes. I go, where the hell is all the disease coming from? Mm. 90% plus of disease is stress. Mm. And, and, and all of a sudden, like, oh, so I said, well, you can relieve all the, take all the cancer cells out. I said, did you get rid of the stress? No. Oh, well, then guess what? It's coming back <laughs> because that, the, the cells didn't cause the problem. They are a symptom of a problem. And all diseases, like cardiovascular disease, 90%. That's nothing to do with genes. You're not living in harmony. You're living in fear. A lot of it has to, fear is the greatest cause of stress because fear means I'm powerless. That's what fear means. Oh, my God, something's coming. I, I'm a victim. I am powerless. Somebody help me. And then the pharmaceutical company comes in and goes, we're here to help you. I go, Another line of BS. Mm. Says, <laughs> Pharmaceutical company isn't here to help you. It's a company. It's a corporation. I say, give me the rule, number one rule in law. When you make a corporation, what is the number one rule in the corporation's leadership? And the answer is, your job is to make a profit for the shareholder. That's number one. If a corporation is not making a profit for the shareholder, then it falls apart. It doesn't work anymore. So I say, well, how do you make a profit for the shareholder? I say, you got to make a lot of money. <laughs> I go, well, making a lot of money, does that mean you're going to help a lot of people? I go, ah, we'll tell them we'll help them. We'll sell them the drugs and they'll buy the drugs. 
and then we're going to make a lot of money. I say, do the drugs really work? I go, how many people are out there because the doctor said your blood pressure is high or your cholesterol level is high and we're going to have to give you statins, statin drugs. I go, how long do I, do I have to take a prescription of satin drugs? Mm-hmm. And then the doctor goes, how long do you want to live? <laughs> oh, you want to live? Then take statin drugs your whole life. I go, I got to take them my whole life. I say, are they going to help me? Now comes the truth. Statin drugs only help three out of 100 people. 97 people out of 100 have no positive effect from satin drugs. In fact, over 20 of those people will have side effects that are disastrous. So I said, wait, I took the statin drugs to help me with my cholesterol level. Three people are going to be helped. 20 people are going to get sicker. I go, well, maybe we shouldn't sell the statin drugs. They go, are you kidding me, man? That's a prescription for life. That means we have a customer for life. Uh, And I go, nobody paid attention to the side effects being more dangerous than the the healing effect. I go, people don't care because they're told whatever the advertisement told them. Drug companies, they don't give a damn. Why? Because the 97 people that have no positive effect from statins are going to pay them every day of their life to take a statin drug. I say, is it going to help them? I go, nope. But they're going to pay for it every day. And the drug company's like, yay, I could sell lots of statin drugs. You know what they did to sell more drugs? Because there was a cholesterol level. And it said, if you're above this cholesterol level, you need a statin drug. I go, then what did they do? They kept changing the cholesterol level over time. It was, no, no, you have to have less cholesterol. Oh, all of a sudden it said, people that you know had a certain level of cholesterol below the required part, no, I don't have to take statin drugs. And then I said, no, no, you need a cholesterol down here. Oh, now that many more people are gonna take statin mm-hmm. drugs. Every time they lowered the amount of cholesterol to another level, there's a whole new cohort of people that are gonna buy the statin drug. Because, oh, it used to be, oh, that cholesterol level was okay. Now it's not okay. Mm. <laughs> now you got to take the drug because they kept lowering the level. And every time they lower the level, there's a million new customers for statin mm. drugs. Did it help? Absolutely not. The side effects were far greater, what, five, seven times greater side effects than healing. Mm. But who cares? The law, you know, the advertisement said you got this problem. And then the average person well, I don't know nothing about this, but the advertisement told me that I would need this. And therefore, doctor, give me a prescription. I go, who the hell's selling you this stuff? Mm. Oh, the pharmaceutical company. Oh, oh, I always like to equate them. People say, you're a friendly banker. I go, what friendly banker? I go, bankers are only friendly if you're putting money into the bank. Mm. If you want to take money out of the bank, they're not that friendly anymore. Oh, you don't have any money? I'm sorry, get lost. <laughs> you got some money? Oh, yeah, come on, put it in the bank, okay? And I go, pharmaceutical company, are they here to help me? No, they're like the bankers. Hey, buy my drugs. I know they're not working, but buy my drugs. And therefore, we buy these drugs. And we buy COVID vaccine because it said, that's going to prevent you from getting COVID. I said, never once in the history of COVID and COVID vaccines, was it ever declared that the vaccine would prevent you from getting COVID or transmitting it? Never did they say that. It was just public. Oh, I got the vaccine. I'm safe. I go, 
the vaccine by the law of the letter of what it's described for, the vaccine is if you have a serious consequence of COVID and you're in a hospital, mm -hmm. those people will benefit from the vaccine. What about people who have no serious consequences and they're not in a hospital? I go, vaccine has <laughs> crap. Mm -hmm. I go, what? Hey, I love it. There are, there are countries like Gibraltar. I go, mm -hmm. give you an example. Why should I bring up Gibraltar? I said, 100% of the population is vaccinated. I go, great. And guess what? Delta came through wiping out. Omicron coming through wiping out. I said, 100% is vaccinated. And mm -hmm. they got a plague. I said, what does it mean? I say, oh, if the vaccine worked, then why do they have the why do they have Omicron? Why do they have Delta? And the answer is the vaccine doesn't work. And Israel, 97% of the people vaccinated, and there's a massive spread of Delta and Omicron going through the country. And I say, it's not the unvaccinated people that are involved here. Mm -hmm. Vaccinated people are susceptible to COVID and transmit COVID. And there was some belief that I got the vaccine. Now I believe I am safe. And I go, where'd you hear that story? It was never in, in the government papers. It's not in the science that this vaccine is going to prevent you. Never did it say it would prevent you from getting COVID. Never did it say it would prevent you from transmitting COVID. That is not the purpose of the vaccine. The purpose clearly stated in the science and public record, the vaccine will help you if you have serious consequences of COVID. You're in a hospital, that vaccine would have helped you. You're not in a hospital, the vaccine is irrelevant to you. Hmm. And yet we bought it, why? We believe all these people are here to help us. The government is here to help me. The pharmaceutical company is here to help me. The insurance company is here to help me. I go, none of those companies are here to help you. Those are corporations. Their job is to make money for the shareholder. And I love it because the insurance company, oh, State Farm, you're in good hands. I go, the moment you have a problem, man, those hands open up and you're down the drain. Why? Not The first one was to give you, get you to buy the policy. I'm going to protect your ass. Then I say, now you need them because your house burned. I go, and then what's their, pro what's their next move? How little money can I mm. give you? How little money I can give you? Yeah, I know you lost your house, but we can only give you 40%. It's like, what about the rest? I paid the insurance. It's like, no, nope, can't have it. For whatever reason. And I go, what's the relevance of this? Insurance company isn't here for you. Mm. It's here to make profit. You make an insurance claim. The next time you pay your insurance policy, you're going to pay more for it. Why? They're not giving you money. Mm. They're only taking the skim off the top. They give you the little bit off the top. Uh, and if your claim is too high, they'll find lawyers that they have more lawyers working to reduce the amount of money they pay you than lawyers to help you get the money. Okay. And, and so there's this point that we have falsely walked into a world where we thought, oh, corporations are here to help me. Pharmaceutical companies are going to save my life. I go, they don't give a damn about your life. They give a damn about how many drugs they're going to sell you. Uh, and, and I know this for a fact from talking to executives, and it's simple, it goes like this. They come up with a new drug. They test it out, and they find, oh, my God, some people will die. And you think, okay, we should not market that drug. No, no, no. The decision is, how much of the drug can I sell and profit 
versus how much will I have to pay in lawsuits? And the point that when the bean counters get finished, they say, oh, God, we're going to make more money selling the drug and we could pay off the lawsuits from the wrongful death or whatever it was and still make this profit. So guess what? That doesn't mean they won't sell the drug. They're sure as hell they're going to sell the drug. They don't care if you die. Why? We only sold the drug because we know there's going to be enough money coming from that drug. I'm going to cover your ass when you try to sue me. So did I say the pharmaceutical company was here for me? I say, no, it was here. How much money is it going to make? Why? It's a corporation. It's a corporation. And then government is bought into the corporation. So like in the U.S., democracy, I go, there's no democracy in the United States as you think. I go, why? Because corporations have more power in controlling the result of the government than the people have. A simple point. Uh, a survey across the U.S., should we have better, you know, background checks before somebody can buy a gun? 90%, 90% of Americans said, yes, we should have better background checks. Did they institute it? No. Why? The gun lobby and the government people said, no, we don't want it. I go, who are you listening to? Mm. Not the people. They're listening to the money source, the corporations. And all of a sudden, because they said, well, corporations are like people, so they should be represented in the government as people. I go, they're not people. And I'll give you the main reason, Amrit, and it's simply this. Gov uh, corporations have no morality. I go, what does it mean? People have morality. I shouldn't kill my neighbor. I shouldn't do these things. I should, I'm going to be moral. I'm going to live in harmony and balance. Corporations, that's not an issue because their end is how much money do I make? I said, well, what are the means to that end? I go, <laughs> uh, no, no compassion, no, no human character of morality is involved in a corporation. Why? Corporations' job is to make money in any way they can make money. Is it going to hurt the public? I don't give a damn as long as we make enough money. Mm. COVID. Am I, am I, uh, you know, I hate those people. I say, get your free COVID shot. Free? When did the, did the pharmaceutical companies give us all this vaccine for free? Like, hell no. You gave them a trillion dollars for the free shot. That you <laughs> and I go, well, miss it, the mind. Yeah, it's your you free with your taxes and your children. Your <laughs> there was nothing free. You already paid for it. You know, is it any good? No, but get the booster. I mean, get the booster. It didn't work the first time. What the hell should I get the booster or maybe a second booster? I go, hello? Hello? <laughs> Did anybody know that the first shot didn't work yet? <laughs> and now you're going to get another one that didn't work the first time and you think it's going to work better the second time? Sorry. <laughs> Bruce, an interesting question presents itself at this point. Um, you know, we talk about the biology belief, and I know it's so much like it's the body of work that you've dedicated your, your entire life to, and it's such a blessing to receive it. What happens in that instance when we talk about, like, following your work, I've tuned into the placebo and the nocebo, so it's, you know, the, the dance between, you know, us believing our way into something. But now yeah. looking, at the, looking at the vaccine potentially, let's just take this as, a, as an example because it's an interesting case study. People believing that the vaccine works, what does that yeah. do for their for their systems? Well, for the for the for, it's a helpful system for a bit because now they have a placebo. 
And I go, what's a placebo? Positive belief. And I go, so what? It's belief. And I go, simple point. You have an illness, chronic, and you try all these things and it's not working. And the doctor comes up and says, oh, this is the newest pill. This is the special pill just for your issue. It's, it's colored purple. You know, purple is a good color for a pill. They actually sold a drug like that. It's a purple pill. What the hell do I care? Purple pill. I'm a powerful. I say, they take the purple pill. The red they get faster. better. <laughs> they, get, they get better. And they say, oh, the pill healed me. And then I say, it was a sugar pill. And I say, so what is the conclusion of this? And the answer was, obviously, the sugar didn't heal you. What healed you? Your belief that the sugar pill was going to heal me. You didn't know it was sugar. It was like the special medicine and your beliefs that this medicine is going to heal me. And you didn't need the medicine. You just needed the belief. Okay. And so a placebo, which is responsible for up to two thirds of all medical healings, including surgery, two thirds didn't have anything to do with the drugs and the surgery. Two thirds had to do with the belief of the patient that this was going to heal them. So I say, yep, that's called positive belief, my friends. That's where the placebo comes from. The belief that this is going to heal you, heals you. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, I know the placebo. And I go, you didn't stop long enough to get the other side of the equation. I go, what's the other side? I say, well, if placebo is positive belief, what is about a negative belief? And everybody goes, I'm not paying any attention. I go, well, most of your thoughts are negative. I think you should pay attention. I go, why? Negative beliefs are equally powerful in controlling your health as our positive beliefs, except in the opposite direction. A positive belief can heal you from any disease. A negative belief can kill you by creating any disease. A belief can create the disease as much as belief can create the healing. And I go, so the significance of this is profound because nobody talks about the negative belief. And I go, negative beliefs are powerful. It's called nocebo, as you mentioned. And as I said, they can cause any disease and they can kill you. Just because you believe you're going to die, you can die just from the belief. Just as much as you are dying of a cancer, you change your belief and you can then heal the cancer. Mm-hmm. I go, How? I love this because a friend of mine, her name is Anita Morjani, and she wrote a book called Dying to Be Me. She had four years of cancer. In the final days of her life, in the final week, she was so emaciated that the cancer lumps were sticking out of her skin because she lost so much body weight and the cancer lumps were sticking out. She's on a machine for life support. She goes into a coma and her oncologist, who's been working with cancer patients for years, says, oh, this is the final stage of a person before they die. So get in touch with all the family members and say, uh, Anita is dying. She's in a coma. This is a sign that's the end of her life. And she has an out-of-body experience, a consciousness change, that the issues that were related to her life had to do with a lot of um, the fact that uh, she was so feeling guilty of upsetting her family. She came from an Indian family with prearranged marriages. uh, And she pulled out of a prearranged marriage about three days before the wedding, which made her family look like, you know, low class people. Yeah. It's like you broke a prearranged marriage. That's like against the rules and everything. Mm. That irritated her father, who she was 
she had a lot of love, but then that irritated her father. And then she felt she's now alienated from that love. That's what precipitated the cancer. Her out-of-body experience on the last day of her life, according to her oncologist, uh, she had an out-of-body experience of communicating with her dead father, mm. who said, no, you know, what happened on that, what happened on earth stays on earth. <laughs> when you transcend, you're not there anymore, and everything's wonderful, and we love you, and all that. She comes out of the coma, and the first thing she says, I want to eat something. You know, she was like, give me some ice cream. And she was like, what? You know, within a day, she was off the machines. Within two, within a week to two weeks, there was no visible cancer anymore. And in fact, the doctors were saying, it's in there somewhere. And she kept saying, no, there's no more cancer. And they kept looking. And after a couple of more weeks of looking, they said, no, she doesn't have any sign of cancer. She was on her last day of life with cancer and a belief change that she realized her father is not angry with her. She didn't alienate the love of her family. And, and that thought when she woke up out of the coma was the placebo in a sense of the healing thought mm -hmm. that healed her from her last day of life. So people with cancer and they're all struggling, I go, even to the very last day, the moment you change that consciousness, is the moment you can have the cancer go into remission and disappear. Mm. Killing the cancer cells is like, oh, I'm going to get those evil cells out. I said, the cells were just following the instructions that came from your consciousness. You don't want evil cells, then change the evil thoughts coming from your consciousness. The cancer disappears. So it's a power that we have. It's a power of our creativity, which we don't believe in. Mm. And I go, okay, quantum physics is the most valid, truthful science in the sense that the theoretical understanding of quantum physics matches every experiment that has been understood about it. I go, so? I go, well, let me tell you the first principle of quantum physics. That principle is consciousness is creating our life experiences. You want to change your life experiences? Don't change the world. Change the consciousness. The world will change behind that because we are creators and doing all of this stuff. And I go, but you don't believe you're a creator because what is your program? I am a victim. I have no power. I need your help, pharmaceutical company. I need your help, doctor, because I have no power. And I go, oh my God, you gave up your power because you bought a story that I am a victim. Oh, well, if I buy a victim, it means victim means I have no power. Mm -hmm. If you bought yourself as a victim, then you telling yourself you have no power. And I go, well, you want to talk about beliefs as positive and negative. I go, well, how's that for a belief going? I am a victim. I am powerless. You know, uh, uh, things are going to get me. I go, you, well, if you believe that, then the answer is yes. Uh, uh, Henry Ford, I, you know, how can I simplify it down to the bottom line? I go, Henry Ford simplified it in one sentence. He said, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if you believe you're positive and you can do it, then you can do it. And if you believe you have no power to get to it, then you can do it. I go, you're right. Whatever thought you have, that thought is the manifestation. I love that because yeah. even, even that in itself, like thinking about life before the awareness of epigenetics and the conversation of what, you, what you're having with us and life after 
the awareness of epigenetics, right? Simply even just having that awareness that what epigenetics, epigenetics suggests that our biology can be impacted by our beliefs is in fact a massive healing on our consciousness itself, right? Because then all of a sudden it's shifting us out of the victim state into the empowered state. The master state, uh, 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 and the idea is, um, well, that sounds like magic. And I go, you know, the, the, the movie, The Matrix, most everybody's connected to The Matrix and seeing And I go, what's the story? He says, well, we're all programmed. I go, well, actually, that's not science fiction, because in order for us to, to get out of childhood, we need the programs of how to be a member of a family and a member of a community. You can't make up your own rules and go out the door and make up your rules. You need to know the rules. I go, when the hell do I get the rules? I say the first seven years of your life. And I go, uh, the Catholic uh, organization called Jesuits. I said, 400 years, they have told the truth and no one understood it. I said, what did they say? They said, give me a child for the first seven years and I will show you the man. What does that mean? Because if I get the program the first seven years of your child's life, that program is going to manifest 95% of their life. So whatever the program I put in is whatever life they're going to experience. So I go, well, scientifically, this is true. <clears throat> first seven years is when you download all the rules of how to live. And <clears throat> you simply download the rules by observing mother, father, siblings, community, observe them. And the first seven years, it's like hypnosis. I watch. I download their behavior. That's my program. Mm -hmm. And then after a seven, you become creative. But after a seven, the conscious creative mind can do either of two things. It can look out at the world and say, this is what, let's go out and do stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Creative conscious mind. Or this is the serious part. It can think. Okay. What, what does that mean? You ready? Mm -hmm. To think you have to go inside your head. That's where the mm -hmm. thoughts are. So, if you're looking at the world with your creative conscious mind, say, I wish and desire, these are the things I can manifest them. Mm -hmm. But the moment you start thinking, conscious mind is not looking out at the world because thinking is an inside job. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, wait, then I'm, let's say I'm driving the car. My conscious mind's paying attention to the road and all this kind of stuff like this. And then I have a thought and I say, oh, the moment you have a thought, you stop looking out the windshield because the thought is inside. You know, so uh, today's Tuesday. So I say, Amr, tell me what you're doing on on uh, Friday. Mm -hmm. And it's not in front of you at this moment. I bet you within a minute of going, mm, oh, I'm doing this. I said, where'd you get that? I said, it was a thought. I said, where mm -hmm. was that thought? Written? Is it written here? No. Mm -hmm. Where was it Inside? Oh. And consciousness stops looking out. And consciousness looks in. I say, oh. What if I'm driving a car and I have a thought, then I'm not looking out the window anymore. I go, conscious mind's not looking out the window, but subconscious, and catch this, how simple it is, is autopilot. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if I'm not paying attention to something, subconscious gets in behind the, the wheel and then drives the vehicle according to whatever the program was. So where'd you get the program? From other people. I go, mm -hmm. did they create a program that has your wishes and desires in it? I go, eh. I said, then what's significant? I said, well, when you're thinking, you're playing programs that don't manifest wishes and desires. Ooh, that wouldn't be nice. I said, well, how much of the time am I thinking? Now comes the killer. 95% of the day is the average time of thinking for a normal person. I said, well, then give me the meaning of that. And here it is. 
95% of the day, your life is controlled by subconscious autopilot programs. Only 5% of the day, are you creating a life from conscious, which is wishes and desires? Are you creating a life on your wishes and desires? Or are you creating a life on the program you got from other people? And the answer is, sorry, you're not creating from wishes and desires. You're creating from program 95% of the day. And I go, oh, why is this a problem? I say, because those programs don't necessarily support you. You go, what do you mean? I said, well, you're creating with your mind. Yeah, but I have two minds. Conscious mind, creative wishes and desires. Subconscious mind, programs. Programs from where? Not from me, other people. So I say, then 5% comes from wishes and desires. And 95% came from playing the programs you got from other people. And the vast majority of the downloaded programs, the vast majority are programs that are self-sabotaging, disempowering, and having limited beliefs on who you think you are. So we have become disempowered by the program. Yeah, but the program runs 95% of the day. And I say, well, then you're not manifesting your creativity, only 5%. And then, so I go to the movie, The Matrix, as I talked about, I said, oh, what's the story there? It says, everybody got programmed. I said, yeah, well, that's a fact. That is a true fact. First seven years, everybody's been programmed. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, so I want to relate it to life now, there's a chance where you could take a red pill. I go, what's that? I said, stop playing the program. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what's the result of not playing the program? And I go, then you're manifesting your life from your wishes and desires. I go, what's that? And I said, whatever you wish for, love, health, harmony, great job, great house, great world, every, that's wishes and desires. So I go, all of us are playing programs 95% of the day. We do not see these programs. That's the missing link that blows this thing up. I go, if you could see you were playing negative programs, you go, well, that's stupid. I shouldn't play that program. I say, when you're playing a negative program, are you aware of a negative program while it's playing? I go, no. I go, why not? I said, because you're not paying attention with your conscious mind. You're thinking the program is running automatically. You know, and I go, so significance is you don't see your own behavior 95% of the day. Where, where, the, where, whose behavior am I playing? I say, what did you get programmed with? Because mm -hmm. that's the automatic autopilot subconscious. I go, so when did I get programmed? I said, actually from the last trimester of pregnancy mm -hmm. through the first seven years, your brain is operating below consciousness. It's a state called theta mm -hmm. and vibration. I said, what is that? I say, hypnosis. I go, oh, so for the first seven years, I'm in a state of hypnosis. I say, what does that mean? I say, to get your programs, all you have to do is observe somebody and you'll download their behavior. So you watch your mother, your father, your siblings, community, you watch their behavior first seven years. You just like a video recorder, you see their behavior, you download that behavior. And then 95% of the life, you play that behavior. I go, yeah, but if most of them are disempowering, then you're in a lot of trouble because you're disempowering yourself during the day. And then you go, oh, but I would see it. And I go, no, you won't. I go, why not? I say, is conscious uh, mind looking out the window when you're playing the program? I go, no, conscious mind is inside thinking that's why I'm playing the program. So I go, simple story. I'm written, you probably heard it in any of my lectures, but for people, this is like most profound story at this moment is this. You have a friend, yeah. you know your friend's behavior very, very well. 
And you know your friend's parent. Yeah. One day you see your friend has the same behavior as the parent. So you, I love it because you can't wait to tell your friend. You go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. I say, back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. I know what he's going to say. The first thing he's going to say is, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Mm -hmm. And everyone laughs. Why? Because they have experience of that. And I go, let's break it down and tell you why it's the most profound story in the world. And the answer is this. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Who's the one that can't see it? Bill. I said, well, how come Bill can't see it? I said, how come he's playing the program that he downloaded? Oh, because he's not paying attention. I go, oh, so whatever program he's playing, he's the one that can't see it, but everybody else can see it. Mm. And I go, yeah. And if they're self-sabotaging programs, Bill has no idea he's even doing it because he can't see the behavior. Mm -hmm. And so when the world isn't working right and he didn't see, Bill didn't see he was involved. It's like, no, I, I wouldn't make stupid things. I wouldn't make an error like that. Those people are preventing me. This person prevented me. That thing prevented me. Uh, I would have a happy life, but they prevented me. And we start blaming. Mm. I go, no, you just didn't see it. You were sabotaging yourself 95% of the day, and you're the only one who didn't see it. Why? Mm. Everybody else saw it. I go, so conclusion of this, why is this story so profound? We are all Bill. Every one of us is doing what Bill is doing. Every one of us wakes up with conscious mind, wishes and desires. Oh, today I'm going to find love. Today I'm going to get a great job. Today I'm going to be healthy. And I go, these are great wishes and desires. And then you go through your world and you come home at five o'clock at night going, uh, it didn't happen today. No, nope, it didn't happen today. These people, I would have done it, but these people, they messed me up. And I go, no. All day long, life, Bill, you were playing programs that prevented you from getting your wishes and desires because you were using other people's behavior and their behavior didn't accommodate your wishes and desires. And I go, oh, so I'm not living my life? I say 5%. Mm. I say 95% is coming where? From program. Now comes the beautiful part. And the reason is this. When did I get those programs? You started getting programs even before you were born in the last trimester of pregnancy. Whatever your mother was experiencing, remember the blood of the mother nourishes the fetus. I go, yeah, blood has got nourishment in it. What else has blood got in it? Hormones, growth factors, emotional chemistry, all those things that coordinate the functions of this body. Mm. So I say so the significance is when the mother is nourishing the fetus, yep, she's sending nutrition in, but she's sending information in. And that information, and when there's a pattern to it, is programmed, okay? And then once the child is born, the brain design is to stay in hypnosis theta for seven years. Mm -hmm. So now let's go back and say, you were programmed starting in utero. Do you, do you know what that program was before you were born? Oh, obviously not, I don't. <laughs> I say, okay, you were programmed from zero to one, a whole year. Mm -hmm. You want to tell me what the program was? I don't remember, bro. I wasn't there. Okay, you were program a whole year from one to two. You know that program? No, I have no memory of that. I wasn't, I was conscious, it wasn't kicking in yet. Mm. So up to about three years of age, you've been programmed with no even awareness that there's a program coming in. Mm -hmm. Now comes the helpful part, if I can be, Amrit, and that is this. Well, 
I was programmed for years before I even knew I was programmed. So I don't know what my programs are. What? I wasn't there when the programs went in. Answer to this problem. Well, 95% of your life is coming from the program. Your life is a printout of the programs that you downloaded before seven. I said, yeah. I said, but what were those programs? I said, your life is a printout. Look at your life right now. And this is how fast you can do it. Mm. I say, the things that you like that come into your life, the things that you like, and you're so happy that they come into my life. I say, they come in because you have programs to acknowledge that. Mm. But now, I say, but what about the things you want, wish for, desire, but you have to work hard for, struggle? Mm. I'm working hard, man. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm putting a lot of effort in. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm working. Mm. stop why are you working so hard answer whatever that destination is that seems to be eluding, elusive and you can't get there w why is this destination a problem for me and the answer is whatever program you downloaded does not support that destination and you're going to try to override the wishes and desires that say I want this with a 95% life that has a different program that says you can't have that. Mm. And I go, uh, and I say, you struggle to overcome the program. You work real hard. I go, you don't have to work so hard because the first thing is recognize this. It's a program you're trying to change. I go, oh, there are simpler ways to change the program than try to power through to make your wish manifest. Mm. Because if you change the program, and, and put a program where the wish is the program, mm -hmm. then 95% of the day, your subconscious is going to go after that wish without you even paying attention. You could hang out all day. <laughs> subconscious behavior playing invisibly 95% of the day, which it's doing now, instead of a negative consequence, if you could program a positive consequence, and it says 95% of the day, without you even being aware, you will be creating behavior that will manifest your wishes and desires. I love that. But if, uh, but if you have a program that doesn't support them, then 95% of the day, your subconscious is gonna create behavior like Bill, mm. expressing behavior that you won't see because mm. that was the point. <laughs> you don't see your own behavior. And if those behaviors are not supporting you, then all day long, you are shooting yourself in the foot. And then wondering yeah. at the end of the day, who the hell shot me in the foot? <laughs> I got a bloody foot right here. And you can look over because in your hand is this gun. Yeah. You were shooting yourself in the foot all day long, 95% of the day, with behavior that was sabotaging you. You didn't see the behavior. It's a program. You downloaded it. 95% is manifesting the program. Your life is the program. This and I go, if I know that. Yeah. And that's why I said, well, what are my negative programs? I say, what is it you're struggling to obtain in your world? I say, why are you working so hard? It's not that nature won't give it to you. It's your own program that is denying it because your program says, I can't get it. And I go, oh. Yeah, I, uh, if you understand it, oh, sorry. you're free mm. to write another program yeah. and put in wishes and desires. And I say, and what's the benefit? I say, 95% of the day, a program of wishes and desires will be manifesting itself without you paying any attention. You wouldn't even, you could be thinking all day long and yet every behavior that comes out will be taking you toward a wish and a desire. 
as opposed to today, when you're thinking the programs that you're playing with limitation are preventing you from getting wishes and desires. And the significance is quantum physics, the most valid science on the planet, principle number one, quantum physics, most valid science. Mm. Consciousness is creating your life experience. I go, so if your life experiences aren't that good, we have a tendency to blame the outside. I go, no, consciousness is creating this. If your life's not good, it's a program that you're not seeing that is undermining you in this. I say, if you were in full consciousness of your creative power, I say, what would be the consequence? And I love this because I'm not a religious person. Religion to me is the business of spirit. I feel I'm a spiritual person. I don't need the business model to tell me about my spirituality, okay? I go, I say, so what's the significance of this? I go, well, in religion, they've told you things and you never paid attention. I go, what did they tell you? I say, well, if you're in the Christian religion, what did Jesus say? Listen to this. People repeat it all the time. He said, the miracles that I do, you can do them better than I can, but you don't believe it. That's all it was. That's exactly what he said. I go, biology of belief, baby. Mm -hmm. If your belief is not supporting you, then you have a world of experiences of struggle. If your beliefs support you, you have no effort involved. You're already winning. And I go, so what's the difference? I said, it's not the outside that determined that. It was the inside. That's why I said, you need to know your programs. And I said, where are they? And I say, wherever you uh, are on a mission to get somewhere and there's interference mm -hmm. to getting that. It's not the outside that is preventing you from getting that. It's your own invisible subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. Because if you change that, then guess what? You get all the things that you want. If you that. don't change it, you don't get the things. <laughs> That's as simple as that. The, a famous book is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And, and the book is very important because it says how you were raised determines the rest of your life. I go, what does it mean? I said, rich people who grow up in a family of rich people stay rich. Why? Their programming that they got was to observe the, the positive aspects of that parent that brought the riches in. And then they have those programs too. If you come from a poor family, and I say, well, what was the quest of the poor family? Is to get out of the hole, but you can't. I could, no matter how hard I'm working, I can't get out of this hole. I say, oh, that's a poor family belief. And I say, so what happens when you grow up? I say, no matter how hard you're working, you're not getting out of that hole because that's your belief. So rich people, poor people, it wasn't genetic. It was the programs they got in the first seven years. A rich person can be stupid and still make money. Who could I talk about? Oh, Donald Trump. He's an idiot. He's a... He's an idiot, <laughs> but he's a rich idiot. I said, how do you get to be a rich idiot? I said, unconsciously, he's engaging in programs that he downloaded from his father who ripped people off to get the money. And unconsciously, he rips everybody off. And then he says he's got money, but he's an idiot. I say, rich dad, poor dad, baby. That's the example right there. You don't have to be smart. You just have to have the program. Yeah, I love, um, I love <laughs> the way you're describing this. And 
it's really powerful. What's precipitating for me is like, you know, we've, we've got our conscious, our consciousness, which is on a quantum level, actually creating our, our reality. And of that, only 5% is actually our conscious mind. And 95% is the subconscious. And those are the programs written into the subconscious. Now, I've, I might have heard this, you share this this way somewhere else. Um, but I love this visual metaphor is your conscious mind tries, you might, it's like a, an ant on an elephant, right? Your conscious mind might be the ant trying to head north. Yeah, it's trying its hardest to head north. We're going north. We're going north. In fact, it is moving north. It's the conscious mind. It's this little ant. But the elephant's moving south, right, which is the subconscious well, yeah. mind. <laughs> I mean, that's a great, a great story because basically it says this here. A baby elephant's a couple of feet high. So, you know, mm. it's a man a couple of feet high. A mature elephant is 12 feet high. I go, 12 feet high, that's taller than the ceiling in your house right there. I go, and I say, it's so big, man, it's a freaking monster. And I go, how do you say, stay, elephant? It's, it's so big, if you tie it to your house, it'll just pull your house down and go. I say, how do you get an elephant to stay? And the answer is, during the developmental period, like in humans, the first seven years, in the first few months of the elephant's life, they tie a rope on its leg and tie that rope to a stake in the ground. I say, well, what's the elephant going to do for the number of the months in the first months? It's going to try to get away from the stake in the ground. And it's got a rope and it keeps pulling its leg and it lays on its back and kicks its legs and rolls over and does this and this and this. And all day long, tries to get away from that rope. Guess what? At the end of the day, it's like, can't get away. The rope is on my leg. I am, I cannot move. I go, yeah, but that's a, a small little elephant. I said, what happens when the elephant grows up? I say, 95% of its life, just like ours, is coming from the program. What's the program? If there's a rope on my leg, I can't move. And I go, the cool part is this. To stop your 12-foot elephant from moving, mm -hmm. you tie a rope on its leg. And I say, what do you tie it to? I say, nothing. What do you mean? I say, all it has is the learned memory, subconscious program, that when I feel the rope on my leg, I know I've already tried to get away. Once the rope is on my leg, I can't move. And I go, you tie up an elephant by just tying the rope on his leg without even tying it to anything. And the elephant will just sit there. Why? Program. Rope on leg, can't move. And then I go, all of us are like that elephant. We've had ropes tied on our legs in our first growing up period because of our belief system that limits us as we get older because of the program that we got when we were younger. So we're like the elephant. I said, what ropes do you have on your leg? I said, what programs did you acquire that disempowered you? I'm not smart enough. I'm not deserving. Who do I think I am? These are things that we downloaded from parents who were trying to help us without them recognizing whatever they were telling us in the first seven years wasn't in the conscious mind. It was a download. Subconscious. Walking down the track into life, like obviously we're most of us listening in and not seven um, so how do we reprogram subconscious mind Bruce? ah we, well that's the cool we... part because basically it simply says this you ready that i have two minds and this is what people didn't recognize they said the mind controls my life i said it does but i said but there are two elements there's the conscious mind which is the creative one connected to our spirituality mm -hmm. and the subconscious one is like a hard drive in a computer it's just got programs Push the program, going to play the program. Just push it. Every time you push it, going to play the same program. Play. And I said, some of these things are really great. I mean, like, when did you learn how to walk? Before you were two. 
That's a program. I say, do you ever have to relearn how to walk? I go, no, you could be 102. You're still using the same program from two years old. That's how it stays in the subconscious mind because that's where habits are and habits don't want to change. When did you learn how to drive a car? Way back then. I say, you're driving a car now? I say, you ever forget? No, I don't know how to drive a car. Matter of fact, I could be thinking about something and not even paying attention and my subconscious is going to drive the car. That's how it works, okay? So I say, so we have two minds. I have two different functions. Conscious mind is creative, wishes and desires, heaven on earth, love, beauty, harmony. That's the wish and desire from conscious mind. Subconscious mind, program, not good enough, not smart enough, not deserving, not lovable. I go, whew. I go, significance, 5% from the wishes, 95% from the limitation. Okay? And I say, so they have different functions. Conscious mind is creative. Subconscious mind is habit. Not all habits are bad because we need that. I mean, look how long it took you to learn how to walk. What if you woke up next morning and you didn't know how to walk? Well, then you have to spend the whole damn day at least trying to walk again. Yeah, yeah. And then at night, if you finally say, I just don't know how to walk, I go to bed and I wake up in the morning. It's like, oh, I got to learn how to walk again. <laughs> I go, but if you have a subconscious mind, once you put it in there, it's there. Mm. And you can use it on and on and on and on. So creativity, conscious, habit, subconscious, but they also learn in different ways. The creative conscious mind, by the nature of creativity, can learn in any number of ways. Listen to this podcast with you and me, Amrit, that's one, okay? Go to a lecture, read a self-help book, watch a video. Uh, just go, aha, I can change my conscious mind. It's creative. Subconscious mind's habit mind. I go, most important point, habits don't want to change. You don't, if you have a habit to learn how to walk, you don't want to wake up one day and for, oh, I forgot how to walk. No, that's like, you're in trouble right now. Habits persist and actually do not want to change. So now we got a problem. 95% of your life is coming from a program that in the subconscious that doesn't want to change. I say, but you can change it. But I say, you have to know how to push the record button. The conscious mind, I don't have to push anything. I just, I just change my belief right now. Just say, nope. I don't like that color. I like this color. I just changed my mind. I go, fine, it's done. Subconscious. This is a program. I say, I want to forget this program. I say, you can't forget it. It's already built into the machine. It's going to play anyway. I don't care what. Every day it's going to play. It's going to play 95% of the day. So then the last thing for this is now everybody, of course, is, well, how do I change my life? Because first you told me I know where my programs are because <laughs> the programs are where I'm having difficulties. So I know... I want to have a relationship. I'm not finding a relationship. I'm looking, I'm struggling. I say, how do I change that? And I go, in the subconscious, mostly you do not love yourself. I go, why is that important? Well, if 95% of my life is coming from the subconscious, I don't love myself uh, because now I'm critical just because my parents had criticized me, not good enough, smart enough, lovable, deserving, whatever. And I say, well, I got those programs. I say, but now they're habits. How do I change them? I say, well, how did you get them? That's where I say there are three ways of changing subconscious programs. Two of them are the natural ways that you got them in the first place and using that technology. And the third one is a new idea. I say, what's the first one? I say, how'd you get your basic programs? First seven years, I say, you weren't in consciousness. Your brain vibration was lower than consciousness. It was in theta, which is imagination. Kids, 
up through seven are primarily in theta. They can mix the real world and the imaginary world all the time. That's what kids do. The tea party, I always love it. The famous tea party. I pour nothing into a cup. I drink the nothing and exclaim that was the most wonderful tea I ever had in my life. That's imagination, okay? Mm -hmm. That's theta. Mm -hmm. The theta is hypnosis. So I say, you want to change the program, you have to get back into hypnosis. And I go, you mean, how do I get back into theta? And I go, every night when you're going to bed, the vibrations of the brain consciousness are higher vibrations than theta. But just as you close your eyes and you fall asleep, you are now in a period of theta for a short time before the brain goes full, I'm asleep, okay? Which is the lower vibration delta. So I say, if you put earphones on when you go to bed, playing a program of your wishes and desires that you want to be true. The moment you close your eyes and now you're disconnected, consciousness is sleeping, that's not there. Subconscious is in a state of record, it's in theta. So whatever's coming through the earphones is going straight into the subconscious. And if you repeat this every night, put the earphones on, play the program, you are automatically reprogramming in theta just like you did when you were an infant, mm. okay? But then I say, well, theta process ends about age seven and now you're in consciousness, but I still learn things, habits. Mm. I learned how to drive a car. I learned how to play a music instrument. I learned how to do this or that. And now I say, why? They're habits. When you drive a car, you don't have to think about it. Matter of fact, nowadays, if you've driven a car for a while, you don't even pay attention to any of the things that you paid attention to the first day you got in the car, which is mostly paying appearance. attention to the music. <laughs> so, so the idea about it is simply this, is that once a program is in there, you don't pay attention to it, it's automatic. And I put it in through hypnosis. But then secondly, after age seven, I made new programs, but I did it by practice repetition, habituation. I repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. And by repeating it, there was a point where my subconscious learned it. I don't have to repeat it again. Mm -hmm. I can play an instrument after what? After I practice and practice and practice and I know how to do it with my fingers or whatever, I'm playing something. I say, once that's down, I could play the instrument without thinking about it. Why? It's automatic now. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. But you had to practice. So Changing beliefs, number one, put recordings on at night with earphones, go to bed, have it play. And while the brain is in theta, a short period after you fall asleep, that is the process of hypnosis. So it's called self-hypnosis. Self -hypnosis. Yeah, okay, that's number one. Number two, I say, but you, after age seven, you learn by repetition. I go, ah, if you want to change a behavior, then practice a new behavior. Just like practicing uh, driving a car, practicing playing an instrument, practice a new behavior. Practice it because as you repeat it, anything that is repeated is then becoming a habit program. Mm -hmm. The new age talk, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I go, what does that mean? I say, uh, let's say I'm not a happy person and all day long it's like, I'm la, 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 la. And I say, what if you change that? And I say, all day long, you just say to yourself, I am happy. I am happy. All day long, I am happy. I am happy. I say, there's a point where you repeat it so frequently that you'll wake up one day and you're already happy. Why? Because repetition made a new habit. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, just a little caveat here. A lot of people think, uh, put a sticker on the mirror. I go, that's not a practice. That's a suggestion. A, su a suggestion is, oh, yeah, love myself. That's nice. Let's go back to work. I said, no, practice is I do something. <laughs> 
to keep practicing I love myself. I have to keep saying that. I'm a happy person. I'm a happy person. I say that no matter how miserable it's going on, because what you're looking for is not now. It's down the road. So these That's affirmations it. and mantras as well that can support us. And it's repetition. It's a habit. Otherwise, it's not a habit. <laughs> habit is based on repetition. So you can change it that way. So that's number two. Create a new behavior and repeat it and repeat yeah. it. And it'll, be, it'll become a habit. Okay. And the last one is a new thing that's come into our world called energy psychology. And I go, what's that? I go, it's super learning. I go, what the hell is super learning? I say, uh, maybe you've seen somebody read a book where they, uh, they, they open up the, oops, they open up the book. I hope my lighting is still there. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, let's make sure. Okay. Back. I got a book. I say, what does a super learning person do? Take their finger and go like that. They just read all the words. And I say, then what? I go, okay, turn the page. Go like this. I just read all the words. I just went like that. I read all the words. I go, super learning technique. You can open up a book and as fast as you can turn the page, the subconscious is going to read every word on that page. That's how fast it is. Okay. So I go, that's super learning. I said, but what if I can engage super learning technology in reprogramming? Ah, you ready? You can change a belief you had your whole life. 50 years you've been living off of this belief that has been disempowering you. In energy psychology, you can rewrite that belief in minutes. In minutes, you can walk away, new belief, just like that. Uh, and there's, uh, what are these? I said, well, simple point just to help the audience. My website, brucelipton.com. Okay, brucelipton.com. On there is belief change modification programs. I've got 25 or more energy psychology modalities, different ways of engaging this, okay? Mm -hmm. Any one of those can help you change your, your belief in minutes. The one I was using, uh, 15 minutes, get into the process, 15 minutes, walk away, different life. Mm. It's like, oh my God, it's the red pill. It's the one that can change it instantaneously. And I said, the red pill, remember I said the matrix is, is true because everybody's been programmed. And I said, in the matrix, you can take a red pill. And I said, what happens? You get out of the program. And now I'm going to tell you, almost everybody out there, maybe you too, I sure, because you have kids out there, mm. is one of the biggest red pills that can change your life is falling in love. Mm. Because when you fall in love, you stop playing programs. If only 5% has wishes and desires and 95% is my life, what if I stop 95% and turn my wishes into desires to 90 to 100% of my creativity? And I go, well, wishes and desires are what I want. Mm -hmm. I say, so if you're coming from wishes and desires, then you will manifest wishes and desires. And I go, oh, so all I have to do is change the program. I say, yeah. Mm -hmm. Self-hypnosis, habituation of a new program, Energy psychology, all of them can change program. Energy psychology is the fastest mm -hmm. because you can change it in moments. Uh, and uh, I say that not because it's a good idea. It's because I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for energy mm -hmm. psychology because I myself had programs that prevented me from stepping into heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. Heaven on earth, you fall in love. <clears throat> 
blah, 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 every day, every stinking day, blah, 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 blah. And then on this day, you meet somebody, you fall in love. 24 hours later, heaven on earth, love. I'm in love. I go, what does that mean? It's like, I love my life. I'm happy. The food's great. The music's great. Sex is wonderful. I love all this stuff. Even a crummy job. I don't care. I'm in love. I go, what did that? And the answer was, love is a red pill. Because when you fall in love, you stop thinking. And that means that your conscious mind is not working 5% of the time. It's working 90% or more. And that's the one with the creative wishes and desires. Instead of trying to live on 5% wishes and desires, what's the difference on living 90, 95% wishes and desires? And I say, the first one, wishes and desires, I hope this could happen. But if it's playing 90 more percent, it's like it is happening. You change your life. It went from blah, 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 honeymoon, heaven on earth. I say, how did it switch in 24 hours? Because love is a red pill. You take that love and you stop thinking. I go, oh, it was thinking. That's why I limited my conscious power because 95% of the time I was thinking, I wasn't using my conscious power. Fall in love and 90 to 100%, uh, no more thinking. And I say, well, if I'm not thinking, then what's running the show? I said, conscious mind. I said, what's that one? Wishes and desires. <laughs> and so when yeah. taking the red pill, you get out of victim. And now you're into total creativity. And unfortunately, thinking will come back in and that throws a monkey wrench in the creativity because now you're back to the old programs again. And that's why the honeymoon was so beautiful because it took you out of program, put you into a creative space where you manifested the joy of being in love. But at some point you start thinking again and all of a sudden the wishes and desires part recedes into the background and now you're back to playing the programs and then it's like back to normal life again, which you didn't like in the first place, but there you are. Mm. I find it fascinating, the, the conversation around, yeah, being able to reprogram ourselves because it's uh, even just uh, one of the easy examples that you gave was either wave state and this might be <laughs> a little bit insidious, but I often find, especially in the, the modern world, like I think people tuning into or even reflecting on my own sort of journey, tuning into things like social media or Netflix or watching TV before you go to bed, falling asleep to drama, falling asleep to not enoughness, and you're in that state, you're programming yourself for not enoughness, for drama, to be perpetuated. And I love what right. you're describing about the hypnosis state and taking control of that um, and potentially using that as the on and off button to then connect into how do I reprogram my subconscious right. and creating consciously into that. The more you repeat it, the more the habit is ingrained. Mm. So uh, every day when you start living in fear, you are repeating the fear of fear means I'm powerless. And you're repeating mm. every day you're afraid. I have no power. Yeah. Well, what do you think is the net result of repeating every day? I have no power. And the answer is you have no power. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> And this is why this is an important wake up call. It says we are creating from program. Mm -hmm. Change the program and the character of your life will change. Mm -hmm. Cancer is the result of a program. I go, what do you mean? I said, well, as I said, cancer isn't caused by a gene. There's no cancer gene. I said, where's cancer come from? I got to tell you exactly. They looked at the fate of children that were adopted into a family where there was cancer running in the family. Mm 
And they found that the adopted child will get the same family cancer as any of the natural siblings, but the adopted child has completely different genetics. Mm. I guess so what was significant here, the cancer didn't come from genetics. The cancer came from programming that was disempowering. And that's propagated from parent to child because your child is going to look at you, which is you're playing a program 95% of the day. If you got a bad program, your child has just observed it and recorded it too. And it's going to have the same issues that you have. But there's positive sides too, like musicians, their kids become musicians. They're like, oh, there's a music gene. I go, no, it's a music. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it is being in an environment where that becomes a habit of life to create music. So they are downloaded with the creative ability. And then 95% of the day, they can express it without even thinking about it. But the issue is, were you downloaded with good stuff or were you downloaded with limiting stuff beliefs? And the answer is most of it is limiting <laughs> beliefs. And that's why we struggle. That's why yeah. we struggle here. Bruce, we, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I can't even begin to thank you. This is just so much, so much goodness in there. I do have one last question. Um, you were talking a little bit about evolution before we got started on the podcast and you were talking about how community is our evolution. There is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the Inspired Evolution. Um, so my last question is, what does an inspired evolution mean for you? Um, you know, you mentioned that we're going through <laughs> potentially this. I'm reading. i got to tell you something because the joke was this. I, I saw the website, okay, mm. Inspired Evolution. But my eyes stopped, not inspired evolution, it says inspire devolution. I know. Oh. Inspired devolution? What the hell is that about? No, no. Inspired evolution. I put the yeah. D on the wrong one. <laughs> and the idea of what is inspired evolution? And the answer is simply this. Own the fact that you're a creator, which nobody wants to own. As I said, even Jesus told you, you could do all these miracles, but you don't believe it. Once you start to learn to believe it, then you can do all those miracles because that's what creativity is all about. Inspired evolution is what, what do I need to know? What, what is it that, what are the rules? So inspire me with these rules. And then if I take these rules in and use them, then I'm going to experience evolution. So inspired evolution is you are given information that once you follow that information, then it could lead you out of the hole into the creative world that we want to live in. But you need an inspiration. You need to have, give me some knowledge. Give me some, show me a picture. Give me some insight. Inspire me to want what you have. And that's inspired evolution. And I, I can tell you how personal it is to me. It was like, look, I'm the scientist guy who got into epigenetics before, you know, 23 years before epigenetics was even recognized. I was like, oh, my God, we're controlling our genes. OK. Uh, and the part is once I knew the mechanism was like, oh, my God, we're creating this life. If you understand this mechanism. So I was so excited. I wanted to tell people, come, come on in here. I'm going to give you a story of how you can create the most fabulous life. And they come in and I start talking and then they look at me and go, you know, Lipton for a guy who says, you know, your this stuff, your, your life doesn't look that good. And all of a sudden, so nobody listened to what I was saying because 
if it was so good, then how come my life sucks? <laughs> and then I realized at some point, how come my life sucks? And the answer was simple. I'm talking the talk. I'm not walking the talk. I'm taking from my conscious creative mind trying to talk to your conscious creative mind. I go, but that's not relevant. I could be super smart. And we are super smart. But did that super smart change this program underneath and subconscious? The answer is no. So here I am trying to tell people, super smart. This is how this epigenetics and how your consciousness control. And they look at me and go, well, that's pretty smart, but apparently it doesn't work for you. <laughs> and that's when I realized, stop telling people about this. Start walking this. Make it part of your life. I did, and it didn't take very long. That was the exciting part. It was like almost instantly once I said, wait, I'm not giving into the habit. I'm changing the program right now and started to change the program. And guess what? I'll be honest, everyone out there is listening. Not for 45 or so years of my life, I was living the hell on earth routine. And I have to tell you now for the last, uh, well, nearly 30 years <laughs> yeah it actually is 30 years i've been living heaven on earth i love my life i wake up every day going my god oh Robert wants me to talk to him oh that's a good job no calluses look at my job no calluses there maybe a few here in my voice box. <laughs> my life is a life of joy i wake up in love I have love all day. I'm surrounded by people who live this way. So their vibrations, their energy are in harmony with me. And the harmony is health. It's disharmony that causes disease. And once I started to recognize, oh my God, these programs are interfering. And then using the techniques, what? Started off with uh, self-hypnosis earphones, using programs, self-help. Then I started going into practice. I got to practice living this way. And then lastly, I added energy psychology because there were some things I couldn't get over because they were buried deep in a program and I needed to change the program and using the energy psychology approach uh, empowered me to go in there and rewrite programs. And so I sit here today saying, hey, I know things may not be that great in, in Oz right now, but wherever I live, I, I'm in heaven. Wherever I travel, I don't leave heaven behind. I take it with me. Why? Because my consciousness is creating this world. And just to close, because I could keep talking for 12 hours, but I, I want to I close this because consciousness is creating our world. And people say, oh, where's consciousness? They say, oh, put wires on your head. It's called electroencephalograph, EEG. And you could read that consciousness going on inside your head. Mm. I go, there's a new device that reads the consciousness in your head. And I go, what it's called? It's not EEG, it's called MEG, not electroencephalograph, magnetoencephalograph. I say, what's the difference? I say, both of them read consciousness. I go, yeah, but what's different? You ready? In magnetoencephalograph, the probe is out here. I go, what does that mean? My consciousness isn't stuck in here. I could read it out here. I said, what does that mean? You're broadcasting your consciousness all day. 
and you're broadcasting. If that consciousness is not consciousness of harmony and it's consciousness of disharmony, then you will shape the world around you not to be in harmony. Because if you're broadcasting disharmony, how are you going to create harmony? Yeah, I can't. Mm. All of a sudden, you start to realize your thoughts are not in your head. They're preceding you and they're out in the field. And a negative thought will only activate a negative thing that has the same vibration. A positive thought will only activate a positive thing that has the same vibration. So I say, well, if you're sending out negative thoughts, then be careful because the only thing that's going to respond to you is something that resonates with negative thoughts, something negative. And if you're sending out positive vibes, negative thoughts don't respond to that. The negative things don't respond to that. You have to send out positive vibes. You're only going to bring in something that's in harmony with a positive vibe. And all of a sudden I said, yes, your thoughts, as quantum physics said, are creating the world. And then I say, well, then be careful of what you're broadcasting because you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. If you're broadcasting negative because those are the programs I got, then I will manifest negative experiences all my life to be in coherence with the program. How, how can I broadcast negative thoughts and then have positive results? And answer that that doesn't make any sense. So the brain's function is to take a negative thought and manifest a negative experience. So now I'm, I'm in harmony. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't work and it didn't. What a coincidence. <laughs> I go, so your brain takes your thought and then creates behavior to manifest that, that thought. If it's a positive thought, then your brain is going to exercise positive behaviors that are going to bring in positive things. If you have a negative thought, <laughs> the brain is going to create a negative vibration that will bring in negative things. And I go, exactly what quantum physics said. My consciousness is creating this. And that's why I said to go back. I, I got a close to it because this was an hour talk that's now 90 minutes. <laughs> but here's, I just close with what I said before. Your life is 95% from the program. If you're not happy with your life, stop blaming the outside world and start taking responsibility that unconsciously, because it's subconscious, you are broadcasting behaviors that will only manifest things that are in harmony with that thought. Mm-hmm. A negative belief, I'm a victim, I'm powerless, somebody's coming to get me, I'm going to get the flu. I don't care whatever your positive, you know, negative, positive, you're going to manifest it. The positive thoughts bring you heaven on earth the negative thoughts create the world we're experiencing right now. Oh, Bruce, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your medicine, brother. Thank you so much for sharing this with us and sharing yourself so abundantly. There is so much in there for us to take away. And, yeah, just the practical tips on how to actually reprogram our subconscious so that we can live vital, abundant, enriched, love-filled lives. I'm an example of that because my <laughs> life sucked for 40 years. I couldn't even get a relationship off the ground. And then I end up changing the program. I'm in a relationship that was so good that I wrote a book called The Honeymoon Effect. Mm. A guy who couldn't even keep a relationship going is living heaven on earth. Why? Simple rule. My program that I got from my parents of how to be a loving couple, they were dysfunctional. And if they're dysfunctional, then I already know, guess what? My first seven years, I just observed them and I was creating the same dysfunctional programs until I realized I got to change this program. Mm -hmm. And then comes the book, The Honeymoon Effect, that says, I've been living a honeymoon for 27 years (laughs) now. <laughs> we will put a link to your website for the resources for the energy psychology and old books in the show notes. 
Brother, thank you so much for doing this. And on behalf of myself and the Inspired Evolution Tribe, wishing you all the best always. Thank you so much for your blessings. Amri, I am so happy you gave me this opportunity to talk to this community because any one of those people that starts to do this is a new person creating heaven on earth. And the more of us that create heaven on earth, the more the earth becomes heaven. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market